0: We're going to get started. Thank you, everybody joining us right now online. So excited that we get to come together again, particularly because we're counting down now the days to when we are going to be offering an outdoor worship opportunity. You can clap. I see you trying. Very excited. So next Sunday, we're going to be doing a test run of our abilities to do this, get everything fine-tuned, so that the next Sunday, the 23rd, We will be ready to host you if you're wanting to come out and experience the worship in person. We'll be right outside the sanctuary here. There's grassy spots all over our campus. So the music team will be in a central location. Then everybody else can spread out, find their own little patch of of shaded area. Feel free to bring your umbrellas or um, something if you have an easy app. Feel free to bring those if you want to give yourself. Next opportunity to have some shade. And it's going to be kind of like Jesus gathering all the people out there. We'll, we'll have uh, the, the masses just gathered all around. it won't be inside a building, the beautiful sanctuary we have. But we'll be in God's sanctuary right outside in the open air. So the 23rd. Go ahead. <laughs> so the 23rd. Now this day, we'll be taking communion together. And if you're here in person... We have, uh, we have some pre-packaged communion containers that you will receive. If you're at home, I'll give you a heads up now. Go ahead and, and start thinking about getting some, some bread or, or a cracker and also some juice together. Because you'll take communion right along with the rest of the church as we do this here in person. That's the 23rd. Also on the 23rd, we have three people that are coming to the waters of baptism. So also... <laughs> yeah. If you haven't caught on it, the 23rd is, is a really great Sunday to be either online or with us in person. We're also starting that Sunday a new series called Backyard Pilgrim. And so I encourage you uh, to look either in your email or on our social media accounts. We've posted links to how to get a little devotional book that we'll be following during this time. Our sermons will revolve around this and our small groups also. So yeah, I encourage you to be looking for how to purchase that. If you need help purchasing this, let us know. We'll get one for you, okay? We're going to begin today looking at uh, John. I, For some reason, I'm, i my Bible open to Matthew. One second. So John, we're going to look at the Thomas scriptures when he has an amazing confession of faith. And we're going to do this as a call to worship this morning. because you have seen me you have believed but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed jesus is saying to you blessed are you for no you have not been able to see christ as thomas did in this way christ calls you blessed if you have not seen and yet believe we gather here as river of the valley as a church of jesus christ in order to encourage us that are here to believe, to encourage us that even though we have not been able to stick our fingers in those wounds, that there have been people that that did do this. We have this testimony, we have this witness, this history of these followers, these people that were with Jesus. As we come into worship today, we're revolving around this idea of belief, of faith, and how that is the bedrock of the Christian life, of following Jesus Christ. So let's pray as we anchor ourselves in that belief. Let's pray also inviting the Holy Spirit to to quicken and and to enliven and to rejuvenate our own sense of belief. We're going to sing songs, we're going to pray, we're going to open the word. and all of this, we're now going to ask that God would use it to germinate seeds of faith in us. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we do ask that As we gather here now, that this would be be a, a space for you, a welcome space for you to work in each of us. Lord, we quiet the distractions of our world, we quiet the distractions of our individual lives. Lord, I ask now that your spirit would allow us to concentrate, to put our focus onto you. Lord, we have come. And as we arrive, you you are calling us into worship because of who you are. You are the Holy One. Lord, we confess that you are the Lord and Savior. And and for that reason, we are here together to now extend, extend our praises. We're here to open our hearts and our minds to you we're here to pause, to, to, to stop everything else in our lives that might be, that might be taking our, our focus. Lord, we intentionally stop now and we, we place our focus on you. On the presence of your spirit with us. On your word. In the scriptures and the Bible. We even put our focus on, on one another, your body, uh, the church. We put our focus on, on the people around us. And Lord, we do this as a living sacrifice to glorify your name. Lord, we we confess the ways in this past week in which we have dropped the towel. We confess the ways in this week when when we have not served other people. We can can see them. We ask for your forgiveness. Lord, in the ways that we have not believed in your name, but we have believed in another power, Lord, we ask again for your forgiveness. And we, we gratefully, we gratefully receive that grace once again. You have promised that, that if we are honest, you have promised that if we are honest with our shortcomings, that you come and you fill us up into eternal life. So receive now the sacrifice of our praise, this act of thanksgiving as we sing praises, as we glorify who you are. Use this time, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My friends, let us worship God. John 6. Okay, so that's the fourth gospel. John 6 would be, John is the fourth gospel in order that was written. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are books in the Bible that talk about the life of Jesus. And then we have John. And John was writing from a perspective of, of helping us understand just who Jesus is. And it's not always a chronological reading as much as it's a thematic. He helps us understand what's most important and highlights this. Here in John, we're jumping into the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's this time when Jesus comes and and he's teaching, and and thousands of people have gathered. More than 5,000. Those are just the males, the men that have gathered. There's even more with the the woman and the children. And Jesus does the miracle, which many people know about, of of him feeding 5,000 people with with just a few uh, fish and pieces and loaves of bread. The people then uh, lose track of Jesus he leaves, and the next day they catch up with him, and Jesus begins to teach that actually this bread is more symbolic than they understand. In fact, he has one of the famous I am sayings. All throughout the book of John, Jesus says, I am, I am, and he puts a number of of powerful images on the back end. And here, we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life. Now, after saying all this, after the people that the thousands of people that had gathered witnessed the miracle and and heard the teaching we now have the following we're going to unpack this but let's first read john 6 i'm going to start at verse 60. on hearing it many of his disciples said this is a hard teaching who can accept it aware that his disciples were grumbling about this Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. For yet there are some of you who do not believe, because Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Lord, we ask now that once again you would give us the ability to open your word with understanding. I pray that you would take any of the preparations that have been made for this time and that you would bless them in such a way that you would change them if need be. Or that you would you would multiply what needs to be said, so that together in our hearing, glory would be brought to your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Have you have you ever noticed that um, you'd never hear a parent? teaching a child how to whine and complain. Have you noticed that you do not have to teach a child how to whine and complain? You'll never hear a parent do this. Now, remember, I'm about to tell you to go clean your room, but don't forget, just like I've been talking to you about, right when I say it, fall on the ground squealing and flailing about like some miniature rodeo bronco bucking all over the place. Don't forget. What? Oh yes you do get bonus points for hitting your sister right we don't we don't say this and why not because (laughs) complaining and whining is an app that comes pre installed in children okay and and there's also there's no way to get into the settings and like uninstall that app I know I've tried it's not there You, you can't do it but As these children, these whiners and these complainers, as they grow up, who do they become? Adult whiners and complainers. (laughs) In fact, they become us. They become you. They become all of us together. Although, as we grow up, as this whining and complaining matures, uh, it does take a little more of a sophisticated turn and it's, it's a word that we hear today in our scriptures, a theological term. We become grumblers. We grumble. That's what all of us become and who we are. Now, don't think you're special. Also, don't fret. Actually, I've, I'm pretty sure there are some of you listening to me right now that are thinking in your heads, you're starting to complain already that I'm calling you a complainer. Am I right? <laughs> I understand how churches work. So, I know that this might come partly as, yeah, it makes sense and partly as a shock, but I'm saying don't feel too special and also don't get too worried because this is an age-old, as in a forever problem with humanity. Grumbling has been something that's been a part of us since the first days that God has worked with his creation, with humans. The issue, though, is... Our propensity to grumble paralyzes belief in Christ and in his message. Ooh, say it again. Our propensity to grumble paralyzes our belief in Christ and in, in his message. And I can say that differently. Our, our inclination to grumble short circuits. Cuts off completely our belief in Christ and His message. I can even say it a third way. I wrote them all down so I wouldn't forget them. Our tendency to grumble enables us to hold belief in Christ and His message at arm's distance. Okay? This is is, is something that's been going on, not just for right now, but but since the, the beginnings of God working with His people. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into this John six reading, but do you want like the like the really geeked out reading of this, or do you want like the medium geeked out, or like no geek at all? Like where do we want, where do we want the scale today? Because I can go really geeky. You want to get geeky with it? Get geeky with it. Okay. So what happens just before? What happens just before? Jesus teaches that he is the bread of life. Okay, so he's fed the five thousand. Something happens, and now we're right here in this story where Jesus is teaching about the bread. What's that middle thing that happens? I'll give you a clue. When Moses was called to get the people out of Egypt to save them from slavery, okay? Once he's able to get them out, who's following behind them? Pharaoh. Pharaoh, with a dog or a cat or what?
1: Chariots.
0: Chariots. With an army how how does moses evade them God crossing through the sea right they get to the sea and and god empowers moses to do this miracle where he goes he passes through the waters where do we find jesus just before this story just before he talks about himself being a manna that falls from heaven By the way, where do we see manna? Before Jesus is talking about it in John 6, where do we find manna? In the desert. desert. If you're new to faith, I'm sorry, just stick with me. They wanted the geeky version. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Okay, so manna is found. Manna is a fancy word for bread. Falling from heaven. Tasted like honey. Okay? When the people made it through the water, they were saved from the army that was chasing after them. They they were in the desert. What are they going to eat? Well, oh, God gave them manna every day, this bread that would come down from heaven, okay? Just before Jesus talks about himself being the bread that comes from heaven, and the manna, what does Jesus do? He's out, on the water. He's out walking on the water. Oof. In fact, they see him walking on the water, and they're scared, they're terrified, because everybody would be if you saw someone walking on the water. By the way, in Psalm, oh, geez, I'm going to forget it now. This has to be the middle geeked version. Some Psalm in the 60s, it talks about how God's salvation comes on the waters, but it leaves no footprints. Because with Moses, God's footprints weren't seen. Whose footprints were seen? Moses' footprints. And now, as Jesus is walking on the water again, no footprints. Jesus gets to the boat. What happens immediately? They're at their destination. Jesus gets out of the boat. The people come. He's already rescued them. He's already fed them. He's already given them what they need physically. And he says to them, You're coming to me because you've had a physical touch. But there's something much more to this world, and it's the spiritual. The people made it through slavery in Egypt. They had God come through Moses and save them to walk them through the Red Sea. He gave them manna in the desert. But then what do the people in the desert begin to do? It's that theological word again. Grumble. In fact, this is the really geeky part here. The word, the actual Greek word in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, which we call the Septuagint, is the exact same word that we find here in john six do you see all the similarities so your grumbling and my grumbling are an age-old problem with humanity jesus says here in in john six they're, they're come to him and they're they trying to understand who jesus is he, he's doing all this weird stuff like feeding them and giving the miracles and walking on water he's calling himself the bread of life he's calling himself the man that's come down from heaven He's trying to connect them back to their own stories of salvation and that God has not changed, that God has always been offering them life. And Jesus first, like I said, pushes on them saying, look, we all spend way too much time thinking about this world. We spend way too much time thinking about what we need in, our, in, in the physical realities of this world. And he's trying to push them to, to see past, to see past what our limited human view is right now. And he says this, the people come and they ask him for signs uh, of what they want want, uh, God to be doing. They say, verse 28, then they ask Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? What do you think Jesus' answer would be to that question? What must we do to do the works that God requires? Think about that for your life. If someone came to you and said, I know you go to church. Um, I think it was Canoga Park Press, but I think it's a new name. River of the Valley? Yeah, River of the Valley. Great church. And you say, "Um, wow, that's an interesting question. What must I do to do the work that God requires of me? What would your answer be if they asked you? Here's Jesus' answer. The work of God is this, to believe, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. In the desert, the people of Israel that were just saved from Egypt walked through the water, given the manna from heaven, given water from a rock they were being cared for and yet they still they still grumbled they began to disbelieve moses disbelieve that god was using him and here again the people thousands that were gathering around jesus that day he begins to teach them and he's asking them he's teaching them saying if you want to do the work that god requires if you want to understand What God wants from you in life is to believe in me. It's to believe in me. Jesus goes on to talk about. Well, let's read it. This is John 6, and I'm going to read at verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? What had Jesus what did Jesus just teach? What is it that is so hard for the people to accept? He's told them he's told them that if they want to follow him, if they want to believe in him, it's going to require that they eat his flesh. Ew. <laughs> I mean, no wonder the people started to feel a little icky about that. It says they were grumbling and they were arguing among themselves. How can we come and eat this guy? Is he asking us to like chop him up and eat him right now? It's a very complex thing that Jesus is trying to get across. Now for us, we get it. He's talking about communion. He's talking about this idea that, that we participate in Christ's body. We bring Christ's body into us and we actually become like him. But for the people there, all of a sudden they were presented with A mental problem they're presented with logic issues and they began to grumble and here it is our inclination to grumble paralyzes belief in Christ and his message whenever we hear something that doesn't make sense to us or that makes us want to hold the whole idea of Christ at arm's distance it usually has something to do with our inability to understand. Or we want to, we want to keep our options open. LA is known for people who want to keep their options open. Hey, you want to you wanna go to this party on Saturday with me? Um, maybe. What do you mean maybe? Well, I have like four other offers. I'm keeping my options open. Like it's impossible for us to get sometimes to get our small groups going because everybody has all these options trying to keep them open. We cannot do that in belief. Jesus says the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. For many people, it says that day, the logic of it all, their inability to understand it was enough to paralyze their faith, was enough to paralyze their belief. And what happened was tragic. Instead of walking with the one who could offer them life and life eternal, what did they do? They left. They went back to the life that they had. They went back to living in the physical reality of right now. Neglecting to be with the one who's here to redeem all things. The one who would say, behold, I'm making all things new. The one who says in Revelation 3, behold, I am at the door. I am knocking on your door. Yet instead of coming and opening that door and inviting Jesus in, he says he would. He says, I am at the door and I knock. Open that door, he says, I will come in. I'm going to sit at your table. I'm going to eat with you, is what Jesus says there. But instead, he knocks And too often, our response is to grumble. "Ah, who's at the door? Oh, it says it might be Jesus. Wait a second. He does miracles. I can't believe in miracles. Let's just leave him outside. Jesus says, I come to the door and knock. Jesus comes down to earth. He says, I am the bread that's that's come from heaven. If you eat this bread, you will have eternal life. And the people said, I I don't understand that, so I'm going to walk away. Jesus comes to the twelve. Twelve meaning these hand-picked disciples. Jesus, from the beginning of his time doing ministry, he calls twelve men to be with him. That would would be his inner circle of disciples. And they go with him everywhere for three years. And so here after all of these other disciples leave him he goes to the 12 his inner circle of followers his friends and he says this verse 66 from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him you do not want to leave too do you can we put all of ourselves right now in that 12 Okay, so Jesus has come near to you. If you're listening to us right now, he's come near to you. Okay? That's that's the beauty of the church. The point is that God's working through us as we open scriptures and as I preach, God is actually speaking. Jesus has come near to you right now. All of us represent right now those 12 that are standing there. We have all heard about Jesus in our life in one way or another. We have all experienced him in one way or another. This, Even if this is your very first time hearing the name Jesus, as I say it, you're experiencing him right now. Okay, package up everything you know about Jesus. Package up all of that experience you've had in a church or around Christians. And, and hold it right now. Hold it right in front of you. Jesus is asking for a decision. Are you going to be like these others that because of the inability to see all the details, they walk away? Or are you going to continue to be with me? He's asking you right now. How do you see this? Everything that you've experienced. Are you going to believe or not? Now, for many people that we know the response is on hearing it many of his disciples said this is a hard teaching who can accept it from this time many of his disciples turned back no longer followed him but what does peter say peter says this lord to whom else shall we go We, you have the words of eternal life. And here is the beautiful phrase here. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to believe and so to know that you are the Holy One of God. The first step Jesus asks of you is with everything that you have in that package of your experience and understanding of Christ, of God, the first step he asks of you is not understanding. The first step he asks of you is belief. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And Peter names it. With belief comes knowing. With belief comes knowing. It's like if someone awarded you, you you put your name in a drawing, and someone gives you four tickets to Hawaii. But when you get the tickets for the plane, you say, sorry, I can't accept these tickets. I can't believe in planes. Why why can't you believe in planes? Well, I don't really understand everything about how they work. And since I don't understand everything about how they work, I can't believe in them. But that's that's not how it works. We are limited in our understanding as humans. You can only hold a finite amount of information in your head. God is so big. The ideas of Christ are more than you will ever understand in this life. If you're waiting to believe in Christ until you can fully capture it, everything, and how it all fits together with everything else, you're never gonna get there. I'll tell you right now, you're never gonna get there. There's always one question in front of you that needs to be answered. You can get the basics down of who Jesus is, you can get essential tenets of our faith, but there's always gonna be a next question. Now for those of us that have decided to believe in Christ, those next questions are adventure. They allow us to probe deeper into the meaning of life and to what God does want from us. The issue is if we don't first put our belief in Christ, and instead, we use them, we employ them in order to be what allows us to hold God at arm's distance. We employ them to, or, or they, they, they use us to short-circuit our ability to believe in the one who is life. The one who calls himself eternal life. Jesus stands before you right now, asking you to hold in your hands everything that you think you understand about him or about the church, or about religion. He's asking you for faith. Not for understanding. He's asking you for faith. We have come to believe and so to know. You will know. The first step is belief. Is simply saying, yes, Jesus, I believe and I will follow you. We've talked about our church now for the past month and that the purpose of a church is to be an epicenter of, of God's reconciliation. That's connecting people to God, to one another, and to our, our purposes in life. And, and now for the past two weeks we've been talking about how the only way we can do this is by cultivating Jesus' followers, is by walking people into belief Belief that he is Lord and belief that he is Savior. Belief that he is who he says he is. As as Jesus inspires belief in each person, you know, in the Reformed tradition, this is why we baptize infants. Because Jesus calls all people. That calling, Jesus is preaching to these thousands, the thousands of people calling for salvation, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we baptize children because that that grace, because that love is put onto every single human. And then as we grow, it's then upon us to either grumble our way out of faith or to believe our way into life. Jesus stands before you today. He knocks on the door. Will you grumble? Or will you open it? Father, I ask for faith to be to be the right decision in our hearts today. Only you can inspire faith. Only you can germinate faith. So Lord, now I ask that for each person that has yet to open that door has yet to call you lord and savior father you stand jesus you stand at the door and you knock you're calling for belief Lord, you are so good. You are good. And and our heart as a church beats for each and every person to open that door. Lord, I pray that as you stand before us, as you see everything we're holding about how we understand you and how we've come to know the church or Christianity, Lord, help us Help us to lay this before you and say, I believe. Lord, take away that need to understand everything. Allow us to simply call you Lord. And let that be enough, because we'll learn down the road. You're Lord. You're, You're the one who will teach us. Lord, Father, let us... Let us be able to say you are savior and let that be enough. Let us rest in your arms that we have the Holy One of Israel that has come down to offer us life. Lord, may you be enough right now. As our Lord, as the one in control, as savior, as the one who, who has rescued us and gives us life eternal. Lord, let that be enough right now. Lord, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As you step into faith, saying, I believe in Jesus is Lord and Savior, means that you put yourself on the path with these disciples who continue to even know what that means over time. Saying that I believe you, Jesus, are my Lord, and I believe you, Jesus, are my Savior, it's, it's a it's a proclamation, it's a confession that continues to grow as you understand who Jesus is. It's okay if you don't have it all figured out yet. None of us do. And if you think any of us do, we're just faking it. We don't. But But what we do know is Jesus is the Lord. That he is the one we go to with every question he is the one who controls all things. And we know that Jesus is Savior. And he came to die for each one of us on the cross. And so to rescue us from even death itself. That we would have eternal life. As Lord and Savior, he is leading his church to be the kingdom come now. To be the change in this world now. To restore life.
1: And eventually Jesus
0: says he will come again he will make all things new that's the one that you would call Lord and that's the one that you would call Savior put down everything that's letting you keep Christ at arm's distance today as we move into this time of of musical worship may this be a surrender let the words that were seen together continue to be the words in your own heart and try them on if this is new try them on Take those steps into belief. I'm going to invite everybody to, to remain in this posture of worship as we as we continue forward and asking the Lord, um, particularly if if you have not been in a position like the three of our sisters that will be in two weeks to be baptized. If if you are maybe new to the church and this is something that you have not taken that step, yet you today are, are feeling that tug to believe, then the very next act is baptism. We just need to make that clear. Baptism isn't some, isn't some special thing you have to ascend into. The minute that we decide we want to believe in Christ, the minute we make that decision, then Jesus says, time for a party, time to get them all wet, time to be, have a baptism. So if that's you, then you need to let me know. Like, this is... This is no longer just your responsibility for yourself. This is you fulfilling God's responsibility, uh, that what God wants from us. So take it upon yourself and reach out to someone. It could be me, it could be someone in the church you know, but say, I think I need to be baptized. I'm taking this whole belief thing in, in, to another level. As we now continue into worship, maybe raise our hearts and minds together in Spanish and in English as a way to glorify the unity of his church. Ahora vamos a seguir en este tiempo bilingüe y usando los lo idiomas de inglés y español. Es una manera de glorificar el nombre del Señor por la unidad de su iglesia. Entonces, glorifiquemos juntos nuestro Señor y Salvador Jesús. Amén.